Welcome to the Perfectly Integrated Podcast, hosted by Matt Ackerman, where we show the power of teamwork in wealth management. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Perfectly Integrated. November is a month full of landmines. We open with election day, then the TV begins blaring holiday ads at us way too early, and then the biggest powder keg of all, Thanksgiving. Now, I'm not discussing the fact that all of Marissa's cousins are going to bring sweet potatoes, even though I just made sweet potato casserole, or the fact the entire nation has to watch the Detroit Lions. I'm discussing politics. Even though everyone promised not to talk about politics and your spouse even threatened you in the car to keep your mouth shut, you know politics is going to come up. And no matter how you voted on November 3rd, someone across the table, whether virtually or actually, voted the opposite way. And boy, do they have feelings. They want to gloat or complain or pontificate. They want to talk politics. So what can you do to keep the holiday peaceful and pleasant in spite of this national divide? Well, welcome to Perfectly Integrated. I'm Matt Ackerman, the Chief Content Officer at Integrated Partners. And on this podcast, I'm going to turn to the smartest people I know for insights, aid, and intelligence. Because when the going gets tough, the tough find someone smarter to answer the tough questions. And today I'm turning to my good friend, someone way smarter than me, Dr. Daniel Crosby, the Chief Behavioral Officer at Bringer Capital, best-selling author, and brilliant keynote speaker to discuss how we can all enjoy the holidays as emotions run high. Dr. Daniel Crosby, welcome. Thanks, buddy. Great to be here. Before I get started, I want you to begin by painting a picture for us. What does the typical Thanksgiving look like at the Crosby House? The typical Thanksgiving at the Crosby House uh, is actually Steaksgiving. Nice. I'm a believer that turkey is sort of an inferior meat. And yes, people have suggested that that's because I'm cooking it wrong. Uh, But I think steak is inherently better. So we do Steaksgiving. Uh, We have all the traditional sides, lots of sweet potatoes, lots of pecan pie, which is the greatest of all pies. Uh, And just, you know, a good time. Hassle-free, fight-free, which is why I am well-positioned to give the good listeners advice today. (laughs) Well, we do turkey here. I am very, very proud of the brine that I've developed over the last few years. I do the cooking. We usually have about 15 people here at the house. Marissa's side of the family comes in for Thanksgiving. My favorite people on Thanksgiving actually are Cousin Vinny and his son, James. I live in New Jersey, so of course we have a cousin, Vinny, and we actually do. Uh, James works for the Democratic Party in Sussex County. Vinny is an arch-conservative x-ray technician who works at a hospital, Hackensack Hospital. And and while I make the gravely, I usually proudly uh, start to political discourse. So I stir the pot while I stir the pot. Now, this year's going to be a little different, buddy. There's going to be a lot of Zoom Thanksgivings happening. Cousin Vinny and James have already said they'll be joining us virtually. But I think that's only going to intensify some arguments. So I'm going to ask the question, why? Why do people stir the pot? Why do, why do we talk hot button issues like politics and religions with family, even when we know it could ruffle some feathers? The thing is, in order to build close bonds, build close relationships, it requires vulnerability. It requires candor. It requires sharing. Uh, And politics and religion are in a very deep and meaningful way, deep expressions of, of what we believe and who we are. So I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with talking about politics and or religion and and similar sensitive subjects. It's just that we typically do it in in one of two ways. 
you know, the ways that we do it are, first of all, we're either sort of feeling for people who agree, right, where we're trying to put feelers out to see if there's like-minded people that justify our beliefs and make us feel sort of comforted in believing the way that we do. And then I think the second thing that we do is we try and proselytize, right? We try and beat people over the head with our views until they come around. And that's simply not the way that it works. If you undertake a political or religious conversation with an eye to conversion, I think you're going to run into problems. If you, if you undertake a conversation like that with an eye to deepening your connection or your understanding of someone you love, I think it's a, a vastly different conversation. Oh, interesting, because are we going into these conversations to understand their, their point of view or to argue? We know where they stand. Most of us are friends with them on social media. We know where, what, what's going to happen when we start these conversations. So why do we do it anyway? Why, when we know that Cousin Vinny is an arch conservative and James is, is in the Democratic Party and working hard in Sussex County, why do we start these conversations? Well, because it's really sort of painful for us to think that we're wrong. Think about the two things that I talked about. We want to either be comforted in our existing opinions or bring other people around to those opinions. If we think we're wrong, that's hard. That means we have to revisit our assumptions. That means we have to revisit choices we've made, actions we've taken, the way we voted, the way that we've talked to people, things that we have really pegged our life on. So there's a real, it's a really high stakes battle to have other people think the way that we do, which is why we can't seem to help it. Even if it may seem like a trivial thing, it's actually a very big deal. It's, it's very central to our worldview. And if people are out there effectively questioning our worldview, it means we, we might be wrong. And, you know, we can't have that. That's exactly it. We don't want to be wrong. And I think we're at a particularly emotional time right now. Emotions are raw and, and they've been created by kind of this quarantine and isolation. We've been trapped in our own thoughts with kind of the 24-hour news cycle. I guess what has me more nervous now than in past Thanksgivings is the fact that we have been so trapped in our thoughts that we could see an even more emotional reaction. You know, people slamming shut their Zoom or saying, I'm never going to talk to this person again. I mean, should we be prepared to see that pumpkin pie fly on the Thanksgiving table if people bring up politics? I think you bring up a great point here, which is there's a couple of things that are unique about 2020 that predispose us to having the pumpkin pie fly. We know that pre-coronavirus, a study of 20,000 Americans said that 10,000 of us, fully half of the people they interviewed, said that they were very lonely. Now, how much has that been exacerbated by the last, whatever it is, seven months of, seven months of social isolation, right? We are at a time when we're really hungry for connection at the very same time when cases are spiking. And so people come into this raw the election just happened, people are lonely, people are frustrated, people haven't been able to do the things that they wanted to do. And you have to also remember that we lose contextual cues if we're not able to meet in person. You don't get the same contextual cues of goodwill or intent when you're on Zoom or text or phone call that you do when you're sitting across from each other. We've all had the experience of people saying things to us or us saying things to other people online 
that we would never say if they were sitting across from us. So we lose context and we get emboldened to say mean things when we're interacting with people from a distance. And so we have to be really, really careful this year to, to enter with the, with the best intentions and to enter with a game plan for having a, a peaceful conversation. Now, I always got a good contextual clue. My wife will kick me under the table when I've hit on a topic that perhaps we should have avoided and we should have just stick with, hey, look what's happening in the football game on TV or something easier. What can we all do to remain civil? You know, give me some do's and don'ts. What are some things that you think about as you ponder and get into this conversation just, just to keep people on the right track? Some of the things that we should do is first, we need to assume the best of others. None of your family members, none of your friends got up this morning, uh, got up Thanksgiving morning with an eye to making you angry or, or, or making you frustrated, right? They, they're doing the best they can, and we need to remember that. We also need to look for shared values and highlight them. We, we tend to highlight differences and not shared values. The staunchest uh, conservative and the staunchest liberal probably share more than they disagree on, but we don't talk about those shared values. We talk about the disagreements. I think next we need to listen to understand and not to respond. When we get in one of these sort of heated conversations, we can often start kind of thinking about our next exhibit B, what comes next as we begin to make this case. And we want to listen to understand uh, and not just to try and stick it to them, right? The other thing that I think we can do is we can thank them for sharing and, and for going there, for being candid and sharing a piece of their worldview with us. And then finally, on the do's section, there's a book that I've read that I can't recommend enough. Uh, it's called The Righteous Mind. And it's written by a social psychologist by the name of Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T. And what Haidt does is he breaks down moral reasoning into five parts. And so you see a perfect example of this today. We're having a conversation, I'll put it nicely, a conversation on about student loan repayment. Broadly speaking, liberal folks are saying, yes, we should repay $50,000 of student loans. And conservative folks are saying, this is a bad idea. Now, if you look at Heights, he says that liberals tend to care a lot about caring, like taking good care of people, where conservatives tend to care a lot about fairness. And you see a caring versus fairness conversation having. The liberal folks are saying, look, let's take care of these people who are so weighed down with debt. And the conservative folks are saying, that's not fair because other people paid back their debts and didn't receive this benefit. Taking care of people and acting in a way that's fair are both reasonable, positive considerations. And so even though you're on different sides of this argument, whatever side you fall down on, if you're familiar with the way that people make moral judgments, you can learn to view it not as, wow, isn't this person so dumb or how could they disagree with me? but say, well, I'm leading with caring, they're leading with fairness, both are reasonable, what am I missing? Heights framework gives you a really good way to think about these things that I think is, is powerful. That is powerful. That is definitely a better way to think and perhaps keep things a lot more peaceful. What are, what are some things we shouldn't do? What are some don'ts as we head towards the Thanksgiving table, things so that we can keep things more peaceful? 
Yeah, I think the things we don't want to do, we don't want to debate to score points or sort of dunk on our relatives, right? <laughs> we don't want to presume to lecture or educate or proselytize. We don't want to prejudge them. We don't want to say, oh, okay, here comes Nana. I know, you know, here comes Nana. We know what comes next because we sort of prime ourselves to have a negative reaction. We don't want to provide sort of hypothetical straw men, these sort of far-fetched assumptions that we can then use as punching bags to prove our own points. And then finally, we, we don't want to make character judgments. People can be good people and have divergent viewpoints. It's not, it's not an indictment of who they are as a human or, or who they are as a person. So I think all those things are things to avoid and be careful about if we're going to have a happy, uh, happy Thanksgiving. That's the key here. It's it's all about having a happy Thanksgiving and remembering no matter how you feel on any issue, these people across the table are going to be your relatives for much longer than you're passionate about this moment right now. When I think about that, I'm, I'm, I ask, okay, I want to know what's the best way to sidestep the hot button political conversation. You've, you're, you're mired in it. You've made your points. They've made theirs. How do, you, how do you keep things peaceful so you can get to the pumpkin pie and the pecan pie in your case and, and make it all the way to the end of this great dinner? If, you, if you'd like to fight about pecan versus pumpkin pie, we could do that right now. Oh, let's no, go. Just, <laughs> let's keep it peaceful. I, I, think there's sort of a, I think there's sort of two steps here, right? I think the first is to just try and change the subject. If you think things are getting too heated, sort of subtly move things in a different direction and hope that that is adequate. And I think that often it, it will be. If that proves inadequate after a time or two, you might have to get more explicit and you as the host might have to say something to the effect of, you know what, we're probably not gonna arrive at the same position here today. Thank you both for your passion. Thank you both for sharing these things with us. I think it's in the best interest of all involved if we just move on to something that's a little less heated. Begin with sort of the, the little guns. You, you start with just trying to change the subject. Uh, and if, you're, if your relatives aren't taking the bait, I think I'd bring out the big guns, which is just, you know, saying outright, we need to talk about something else. It's so interesting because I will probably do the same thing when we have that pecan pie, pumpkin pie debate. And, you know, uh, hey, clearly we're not going to agree. And this is a lot of corn syrup. You know, we'll, we'll move on to this in a friendly direction. Maybe I've been using the wrong recipe all these years for pecan pie. Well, you're, you're saying pecan, which is already a strength <laughs> against you. And I take that as a character judgment uh, on you. I take that as a, a sign of poor character. We've, we've, we've had this debate before. We like each other as friends, but sometimes my taste in food disgusts my good friend, Dr. Daniel Crosby. Well, as a Pepsi, as a Pepsi lover, yes. uh, and I as an Atlantan cannot tolerate a Pepsi lover. That's true. Well, you, you know the story too, where I've spent time in Atlanta and I've ordered Pepsi at every place I've gone to, and they've given me a dirty look at every place I've gone to in Atlanta. So not to get us too far off track, this is going to be an interesting year because many of us are going to be spending that Thanksgiving dinner on Zoom, where maybe things could be easier or harder. That isolation still exists. The tension still exists, but it's easier to shut down your Zoom, not pick up on those social cues to your point earlier. Uh, do you think this is going to be an easier or harder year when it comes to politics because of Zoom? I think in general, it's going to be an easier year. <laughs> I think the, the tendency to avoid politics, 
I think Zoom, uh, Zoom Thanksgiving is going to tend to be shorter. It's going to tend to be higher level. If you look at sort of the anatomy of a conversation, it starts sort of high level. Hey, how you doing? And then you work towards greater and greater emotional complexity and granularity. And that's when the, when the pie starts to fly. So I think most Zoom Thanksgivings will be shorter and more surfacy. But if you do get to politics, I think that anything less than an in-person interaction, as I said before, sort of sets you up for trouble. And you need to be aware of that. You need to not say anything through technology that you wouldn't say face-to-face. And you need to understand that the contextual cues of goodwill will be lost in translation. I think that in general, we're less likely to get to troubling topics on Zoom. But if we do, heaven help us. Okay, action items. Everyone loves next steps and action items. We still have a little time before Thanksgiving. You gave some great tips there, some great books to read. What is kind of the best thing someone listening can do to help prep themselves mentally for Thanksgiving dinner so that they can uh, kind of avoid some of these pitfalls and avoid making a mistake? So I think one is assume the best. The Nana example I gave earlier, (laughs) I think some of us spend so long dreading Thanksgiving or sort of anticipating these negative conversations that we're so primed for negativity once it actually goes down that we're on a hair trigger and it's very easy for something bad to happen. So spend some time reflecting on the positives, spend some time getting excited about the people you'll get to see, however you'll get to see them after a year in which we've all been apart more than more than is ideal. I think the second thing is to think about a time when you changed your mind. I think about myself, I look at sort of my political, religious and worldview stance now relative to 10 or 15 years ago, and it's dynamic. Like it's changed, right? And I think that understanding that about ourselves makes us less dogmatic about the positions that we take and more open to change. And then the third thing that I would do is really familiarize yourself with these these sort of handful of moral foundations. There's care, fairness, loyalty, authority, purity, and liberty. Height will explain it in depth in his book. But once you're able to sort of categorize different arguments as as aligning with one of these six pillars, it may not be the pillar that you're leading with, but it still doesn't mean it's a bad pillar. I liken it like the Myers-Briggs. If you've ever Mm -hmm. taken a personality test, one of the reasons you do this with your spouse, perhaps, is because introverts and extroverts say, they, they move through the world in very different ways. And it's not that one is right and one is wrong, but when we come in contact with someone who moves through the world in a different way than us, it becomes easy for us to say, you know, what's their problem and sort of make a moral judgment on something that is just sort of a psychological preference. The same things at play here. And when we begin to understand the anatomy of a moral decision, It becomes uh, less about I'm right, you're wrong, and more about understanding the the dimensionality of the judgments we all make about how to live a good life. Well, I love the image of you and your wife taking personality tests to see how you can get along better. So my wife, I met my wife in a psychology class, and I gave her a battery of tests after our second date. So she is way used to it. (laughs) (laughs) My big battery was, do you like baseball? You do? Great. Let's go. (laughs) That's the most important question in here in the Ackerman household. Now, the big question for our new podcast, 
I'm, I'm going to ask my nine-year-old son to write the final question of each podcast. I told him the topic, Thanksgiving conversations, and asked him what he's going to want us to talk about at the Thanksgiving table this year. I do not know what is inside this piece of paper here. Let me open it. This is this is the best podcasting gimmick of all time. I love it. <laughs> well, we also know how smart this, this my, my nine-year-old is. So let's see. His last question. Oh, okay. What are you thankful for this year? That's what he says. What are you thankful for this year? Oh, man. I, I was ready for some snark or something, and this is just a sweet, genuine question. <laughs> what, am I thankful, what am I thankful for this year? Mm-hmm. I am thankful for my good health. Uh, I am thankful for uh, a family that loves me. I'm thankful for the doctors and researchers and frontline workers who have made a really tough year a little bit better. That's what I'm thankful for this year. That's awesome. I'm glad he didn't ask who do you think you are. It's the last question. That's that would have made it rough. Dr. Daniel Crosby, always a pleasure to talk to you. I my big takeaway from this is I have to relearn how to pronounce pecan. So that's my big takeaway today. But thank you so much, my friend. Always an honor to get to talk to you. The perfect first that first guest for me. And thanks so much, buddy. Appreciate you. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. What a great conversation. Thank you so much, Daniel. And thank you so much to you, our listeners, for joining us today. And I have one more thing I'd like to do. I'd like to be joined by our CEO, Paul Sagany, to kind of discuss the same topic. Uh, let's talk politics, Paul. Well, actually, let's not talk politics. Let's talk about emotional conversations. Emotions are raw right now. So what do you think? What do you think as people approach that Thanksgiving table? How are we going to keep uh, kind of emotions in check a little bit? Well, you know, Matt, it seems to be the topic of the day, isn't it? Kudos to you for all the conversations you're having, and you have been talking to some amazing people. I mean, industry leaders, thought leaders. Let me throw it back to you. What do you think? You've had the great chance to to oversee the interviews and discussions with some really powerful people. So what do you think about that? Well, I've got to say, a lot of things are really standing out, especially from the conversation with Daniel. And the biggest thing that stood out to me is we as human beings really do a bad job of listening, bad job of really hearing things. We're all waiting for our turn to speak. In these emotional conversations, if we really sit and listen, if we really sit and hear what the other person has to say, and remember that there's a reason why they're sitting across from us at Thanksgiving. We care about these people. We love these people. If you can put the politics aside and really listen to their point of view and allow them to be heard, that's when real conversations can happen. And that's that's really what stood out with with Daniel today. Paul, I know you have great conversations with clients and advisors. Some of these are emotional conversations right now. What do you think? How are we going to get through and really enjoy Thanksgiving and enjoy the rest of this year despite the circumstances we're in? Well, you know, Matt, I think if I if I take my family hat off for just a moment, because obviously every family has its own dynamic and it's interesting twists and turns, but Let me put my financial advisor hat on or my hat of working with financial advisors in a kind of mentoring or more coaching role. And as I tell people in in people I work with, it's the art of, of talking about current events. It's the art of talking about very sensitive subjects, but, but maybe not taking a stance where it can get you into trouble with a client or a friend or a prospect. Look at the end of the day, as a financial advisor, it's about me working with my clients making sure their financial futures are secure. And and part of that does involve talking about politics or topics of the day that are somewhat controversial, but 
but it's that art mat of having that discussion in such a way that I can be interesting. I can talk to them and be compelling, but maybe not take a stance. Okay. So I think if you were to talk to people that I know, my closest friends, best clients, people I coach and mentor, they would tell you they don't know who I'm voting for or who I actually did vote for. Because that's that art of, of having discussion and talking to people, being interesting, being empathetic, but not taking a stance. Because at the end of the day, it's about my client's financial future. And their financial future doesn't depend on what I think about who wins a presidential election or what's going on in Congress or the Senate. So it's that art, isn't it? And I find that advisors sometimes step on their own toes because they just feel compelled to take stances that are in conflict with their best clients or their best prospects. And and I'm always cautioning them, be careful of that. That's not the place you want to be. There's nothing but danger. So I think, Matt, the big message there is the art of being interesting, having open dialogue, but not taking a stance that puts you in conflict with the best people that are most important to you. Absolutely. Some really great insights, Paul. Paul, I closed my conversation with Daniel with one last question. It comes from my nine-year-old CJ, and I'll ask you the same question. What are you thankful for this year? Oh my goodness. This is an easy one for me, Matt. I am here in Cleveland, Ohio with the birth of my newest granddaughter. And so I've got a wonderful grandson who is age five and a beautiful little granddaughter age three and now a brand new baby named Colby Allison Sagany. And so there is no doubt for me personally and my family that we are just literally in the middle of a difficult year, 2020 and the way things have been that we've got this wonderful ray of sunshine in our lives. And that's what's been so special for us right now. Absolutely, Paul. And you know, it's been a tough year. There's been a lot of pain and anguish, but it's good to focus on the good. And that's what we say here in the Ackerman House, be kind and focus on the good. I've got a lot to be thankful for too. And I'm really thankful for all you listeners that joined us today for our first episode of Perfectly Integrated. So thank you so much to everyone. And we can't wait to join you next time on Perfectly Integrated. Content in this material is for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Integrated Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. Dr. Daniel Crosby of Brinker Capital is a separate entity and not affiliated with Integrated Partners and LPL Financial.